Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. I just read something interesting this last week. I've been thinking about the body of Christ and, and why did God create a community of believers? And it was amazing. I've never had this thought before. And it was because God is in community, community with himself. Why would he desire relationship with mankind? Because he himself is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is in community with himself. Isn't that amazing? And he wanted to enlarge that community to us. And aren't you thankful? This is our God. Well, that was just a free nugget. That's not what we're talking about today. But my name is Kenzie, and I am just so thankful to be with you this morning. And we're all coming around the Lord's table, aren't we? Just as we were coming around worship, we're going to come around his word. And he has fresh bread for us today, doesn't it? Doesn't he? he I'm so thankful. Um, but before we dive on in, I wanted to give a really, really awesome report from our Rama Bible Training College Australia. You would have seen that in the ad, but they partnered with Rama Family Church alumni and church members, and they had what's called an explosion day. Okay, these are awesome. This is literally where they go out into the community, specifically this time around, it was a couple weeks ago now, to Queen Street Mall. So they went into the heart of Brisbane, and they shared the message love and hope of Jesus Christ with those there. Guys, there were 26 salvations. 26. Can we just praise the Lord? <laughs> Our family just got expanded, okay? And um, I actually just saw Marifel over there. Hi. You had an amazing testimony. Can I share it? I just saw you, and I was just like, I love this testimony. You had the name Amy, didn't you, in your heart, before you even went out to Queen Street Mall. And you wrote that name down on a piece of paper. Hey, right there, right there. And what do you know? She ends up finding a lady, and guess what her name was? Amy, Amy. And you were just gobsmacked, weren't you, Mary Phil? You were just like oh my goodness, and the lady was like, oh my goodness, and she gave her heart to the Lord. Aren't you so happy? He <laughs> so yeah, here are some photos. He knows us by name, doesn't he? So he knew Amy by name, and now she's sister Amy. So you know what? Let's pray for her. Lord, we just bless her wherever she is today. We just so thank you for Maryfell's faithfulness uh, to share Jesus with her. And we ask that you strengthen her today. We ask that you get her connected into a wonderful community of Christians, Lord. And we pray protection over her. And we pray that her faith, this newfound faith, will not fail her. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So what a happy day. Um, it was awesome, so awesome. And we have so many soul winners in this church um, all throughout the week. We just love the work that Jesus is doing. And I actually see Christina over there too and newly married to Alex. Been together for ages though. Hey, and you know what? i just looking at you too. Talk about soul winners, those two over there. You guys can stand up actually. Can I embarrass you? Because I love you so much. 
These two, okay, they're recently married, so give them like a hand clap, <laughs> which is awesome, which is awesome. And guys, at their reception, can I share this? I'm sharing it anyways. You can sit down. Guys, at their reception, you know what they wanted to do? The number one thing that was in their heart to do was to share the gospel at their own wedding reception. It's like the marriage, it was, oh my gosh, important, but it's like completely stepped aside and Jesus was just lifted up. It was so anointed. So Alex and Christina, they gave the gospel and just in this beautiful wedding dress, tux, sharing the gospel. And I loved it. So we have so many soul winners in our church, people who love Jesus. And we're called to it, aren't we? So I wanted to give that report. It's awesome. We could keep bragging on what God's doing, but I know we need to get into the word. (laughs) So why don't we pray, hey, over the word that we're about to receive from him. Father God, we just so thank you for what you did through the Bible school and our church family, Lord, and all the wonderful people in our church family who really love you and are walking with you and and sharing their faith in such a free and open way, Lord, with the world around them. And Lord, we're about to enter into your word. You've already gone ahead and prepared this word, and so we just open up our hearts to receive it. We look to you. We look away from anything in this last week. And we turn our eyes to you. Whatever's been going on in life, you're aware of it, but we choose to be more aware of you today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, you know, something that's really interesting that Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross, it was in He gave them a long list of reminders, things that are, the last things you say to someone are normally the most important, aren't they? And so before he was going to go to the cross, and anytime he'd mention his death, his disciples would almost get angsty about it. No, 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 don't, almost in denial of it. And he's basically saying, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go down this way. You won't understand it right away, but you will. So, my peace, I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but my peace, I give to you. So today, we're actually going to be looking at the power of peace. You excited? And um, I think we live in a world today... I love that Jesus, well, for one, differentiated the world to his peace. Right away, he was telling his disciples where you got to look for peace, true peace. Because there's a lot of counterfeit peace out there, isn't there? So much counterfeit peace. We see it in um, people wanting to take long holidays. Nothing's wrong with a long holiday. I'm always here for it. Don't get me wrong. But... How many of you know you can physically move your body around wherever? You could be looking at the most beautiful scenery of your whole entire life, and yet there's still a disquieted soul in you. you, Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You can ask for all the long weekends you want. We just 
came off the back of quite a few of them. You could ask for work off, try to find um, therapy isn't bad, but we see the world, a lot of therapy, a lot of anxiety. I mean, we had a whole pandemic in the last couple years. We've had wars go on in the last couple years. There's a lot of things out there that are challenging peace. Wouldn't you say so? And so we're going to dive into it today. And I want to first identify what peace is not. To know what peace is, true peace, we have to know what it isn't. So the first thing that peace is not is the absence of problems. I think a lot of people in the world, I've done this as well, once all the problems in my life are solved, I'll be at peace. How many of you have thought like that? Once this issue's gone, once this is taken care of, I'll have peace. Once this relationship is sorted, I'll have more peace. Okay, this isn't peace, trying to get rid of problems. The other thing that peace isn't is the absence of pressure. Pressure. How many of you know we go through life and there are demands on us? There's family responsibilities, work commitments, people asking things of you, circumstances that you never saw yourself walking, that you never asked for, come up. Peace isn't the absence of those things. I'm not saying you go looking for them, but they come up. Okay, what else is peace not? This is a big one, probably an unexpected one. Peace is not tolerance. This is an interesting one. Peace isn't tolerance. What do I mean by that? We live in a world where a lot of times it's you can live by your truth and it won't affect me. I'll live by my truth and we can just, you know, coexist together, be in harmony and, you know, you're cool, I'm cool, you got your own beliefs, you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing. Something that's interesting, which we won't dive completely into, is Jesus said himself, here he's saying, okay, my peace I leave with you. In another portion of scripture, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What does that mean? It's like, Jesus, you're contradicting yourself. I don't get it. What's going on here? What he's saying is he's like, I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. Anything that says otherwise there's a sword in it. We're cutting it off. It doesn't align with the kingdom of God. Something Jesus, some things that Jesus didn't tolerate. He did not tolerate sickness in one's body. He did not tolerate strife. He did not tolerate religion. He did not tolerate strife. He just didn't tolerate these things. He just wasn't going to go there. Was he rude about it? 
if you sometimes read how he was with the Pharisees, it could sound rude. But overall, he just, he wouldn't even go there. Okay, so these are just some things of what peace is not. So if we want to live a peaceful life, we can't be looking at these things to go away or to be resolved. Even though God works in our situations, until that manifests, until the miracle comes through, how many of you know we have to have peace through it? We just have to. And how we cope with these things on the screen here, what peace is not, we can cope in one of two ways. We, one, overwork. We overcommit to things. We overschedule. We never stop. We're always doing something. And nothing is wrong with the full schedule. I'm so not saying that. But I know myself, what I take as a red flag for my type of personality is I'm a very task-oriented, get-it-done kind of person. And when I find myself just constantly trying to do something, I take a step back and I take it as a red flag. Okay, I'm a bit out of peace here. Okay, what, what is it that I need to address with God? How many of you know what I'm saying? There's just no stopping. Or what that overscheduling can look like, it can look like overthinking in your mind. You can end up overthinking, overanalyzing, trying to solve the problem, trying to find the solution, trying to find a way out of the pressure. Okay? The second option almost looks like the opposite, but they're both ways of escapism. This way of escapism, to find some kind of counterfeit peace, is you become idle. And you try to escape, guys, I'm going to say it, social media, <laughs> it's true. We escape through movies, we escape through books. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves when they're in their proper place. But when you check your heart, when you really get real with yourself, and you ask, why? Why am I constantly on this? What is it in me that I need to address with God? It just, it's just the most beautiful heart check. And then it puts those things in the right order. Because instead of dealing and looking at your own life, you end up trying to escape through other people's lives. And you never deal with your own. I said it. I said it. So, what is peace? What is peace? If this is something that the world is so desperately after, where literally religions, different religions have been made with the goal of peace in mind, they're desperately after it. More, the better question is who? Who is peace? Who do we know to be peace? Jesus, isn't he just the best solution? He is peace. You can give many definitions of peace, that it's an inner quietness of the soul, a lack of disturbance, and all those things are a product of the Prince of Peace himself. So if we want a real, lasting, 
genuine peace, peace in your heart, peace with God, peace in your relationships, peace in whatever you're walking through. We need Jesus. We need peace himself. So I wanted to look at Jesus's life. Wouldn't it be good to look at his life? If he's peace himself and he was fully God, but fully man. What's amazing about Jesus is he was so humble to the point. In Philippians, it says he laid down all of the rights that he had as God. All the things that come with being God. And he put on the guise of a servant, of flesh. The creator literally became his own creation. Whoa. And you know what that means because he had flesh, he had a mind, he had a soul. He had to deal with things that would try to put pressure on him because he lived life just as we are. He had circumstances come up. He had a mind that he had to deal with. We don't think about that, but Jesus literally had to walk it like we do. And he's our way. He is actually the way to live the same way he did. So let's look at him. Aren't you glad we can look at Jesus today? Matthew chapter 14, we'll put that up. I, this is just an example. This whole chapter is amazing. I just so recommend reading it. Um, but to give context, uh, John the Baptist, so Jesus's cousin, he called out King Herod because he took his brother Philip's wife. Okay, this is already tricky. Herodias is her name. So Herod took her as his own, and John the Baptist called him out for it. Well, he didn't really like that. Who likes being called out? So he got imprisoned, all right? That's just the normal response, right? And um, for King Herod, it was. And so we're going to pick up here. So John the Baptist is in prison, and we're picking up. Verse 6, but when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, her conniving her mother Herodias, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was sorry, because he didn't want to do this. But because of his oaths and all this peer pressure, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. This is gruesome. And his disciples came and took the body, imagine only the body, and buried it. How tragic. No respect for his body. They did what they could. And they went and they told Jesus. We can stop there. Remember, he is fully God. He is fully man. And here Jesus hears about his cousin, 
And I want to really, really hone in that John the Baptist wasn't only his cousin, actual family, but his whole purpose in God was to prepare the way for Jesus' earthly ministry. They were ministry partners, ministry friends. And I tell you what, when you're in ministry and you have that kind of support, someone backing you like that because they are called of God to do so, it's a beautiful connection given by God. It's not just a natural connection of being cousins. It's a divine, God-given connection. How many of you have those in your life that you are just beyond thankful for? So John the Baptist was really, really special to Jesus. Sometimes we forget Jesus had intimate relationships. He had dear friends. He had people close to him. And so he hears the report of how gruesome his cousin's death was. Imagine the agony, the grief, the sorrow, the remorse. Imagine How does he respond? How does he respond to this report? Let's keep reading. Because this is our key. When our circumstances come up, unexpected, whatever they may be, how do we respond? It says, now when Jesus heard this, okay, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He didn't waste any time to get into the presence of his father. He's like, you know, this, this, there's a lot going on in my soul right now. I need to go process it with my father. Amazing. But not only that, it compounded. So he has the death of his cousin, his dear cousin, And he's trying to just have time to pray, to process it. It goes, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Okay, he had a paparazzi in the middle of something that was grief. Just people putting demands on him. Jesus, I heard you were there. Here we come. This is what was happening to Jesus. They followed him, okay? He had a huge following of stalkers right then and there on foot from the towns. So they literally left their towns because remember Jesus was in a desolate place. They literally left town and they traveled good distance to get there. And he had, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And instead of going, oh, I need more time. I'm really sad right now. I I, I need to just process this a bit more. I'm just all out of sorts. I'm a bit frazzled. I'm a bit fearful myself because, well, if they got my cousin, they're probably going to come after me. Well, instead, says, and he had compassion on them. 
and he healed their sick. <laughs> how, 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 how was he able to rise up out of his own situation and come up above it to the point where he actually has compassion for this crowd that he's looking at. And not only that, he ends up performing miracles and he ends up healing their sick. Guys, I think a lot of times we think of peace, God's peace, as like this little dainty flower. And it's something that can, is breakable, it's a bit delicate, and we can just give it to someone and say, here you go. And then the moment pressure arises, the moment a situation comes, just a bit of wind float. Yeah, it's that flower. It's a bit cute, isn't it? That's why I chose it. We think of peace as something that's a bit cute. And it just flies away. Well, what we see Jesus walking in is actually according to Romans 16, verse 20. Amazing passage of scripture. I'll just read the first part of it, but it says, And the peace of God shall soon crush Satan under your feet. It doesn't say the God of power, the God of angel armies, the God of victory, the God of triumph. It says the God of peace will what? Crush. Satan, and he's talking to the church in Rome. I mean, they're going through persecution. And he's talking about, it's God's peace. It's God's peace that's going to crush the work of the enemy to try to take you out. So stay in it. Stay in it. So we know, going back to Jesus' story, here he is healing the sick, completely dismantling the works of the devil, completely undoing things that are wrong in people's bodies, probably through oppression, even demonic oppression. And he's just undoing them. How? Later on in the chapter, it goes on to say, not only did he heal the sick in the crowds, but this is where the miracle of the five loaves and two fish take place. Guys, this is in a 24-hour period, and he's performing miracles we rave about. We still praise him for, but we forget the context, that it was in the context of his cousin's death. And while he's performing this amazing miracle, before it's all multiplied, and all the crowds not only get to hear the word of God, have their sick healed, they get fed a full meal. And what does he do? Do you remember what he does before the bread and the fish are multiplied? It says he looked up to heaven. He looked up to heaven and blessed it. And I believe... That was his heart's posture. The way he was able to stay in such rest, he 
He was saying, God, I trust you. I'm looking to you. I can't look at my own situation. It's too hard. But I know you're my source for everything. And he got so full of God out of his trust for him, looking at him, that literally thousands of people in the crowd were filled. How many of you know in Isaiah, it says, and I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Why is their mind stayed on him? It gives us the indication because they trust in you. Jesus just modeled that faith as he looked up to heaven. I trust you, God. I trust you with my own soul. I trust you with this, this situation. I trust you to feed these people. It's not on me. It's on you. It's not on me. The pressure isn't on me. Even though the situation's trying to put pressure, it's not on me. Because I'm putting the pressure on you, God. I'm looking to you. So after he feeds him, says he actually goes again to a desolate place to pray. And he tells his disciples to go forward in the boat. And... Um, <sighs> Guys, he ends up walking on water. He gets so full of God. He walks on water. And how many of you know in this story we see a contra contrast of Jesus looking up to heaven right before or this miracle that precedes this moment. He's looking up to heaven. He goes in prayer and you can imagine he's still looking to his father. And he gets so full, he ends up walking on water <laughs> just to get to the boat. He's like, well, this is inconvenient. The disciples are already far along, so I'm just going to walk on water to get there. And he does that. And Peter uh, and the disciples, it says that they were terrified, absolutely terrified. So much so they thought their own Lord was a ghost their own Jesus, who they left everything to go and follow. They thought he was a literal ghost. And so Peter tests. He's like, hey, tell me to come walk on the water if you're actually Jesus. And he does for a little while. But it says that he got distracted. He, he looked at the wind. So we see Jesus' eyes looking here, but then Peter's high eyes, they were here, but they got here. They got here, and he started to sink. He made the wind, he made the circumstance larger in his mind's eye, larger in his consciousness, more than Jesus, who was literally right in front of him. And the opposite of trust in God is fear. You know when, you're, when you are in fear, there's no rest. There is no peace. So the peaceful heart 
is a trusting heart. Or you, in other words, if you have a fearful heart, you have an unpeaceful heart. It's just how it works. And so, Jesus is just our wonderful example of how to look to the Father. You know, there's other accounts and wonderful stories about Jesus in his life. One of them being, we know, when he is asleep, the bottom of a boat. But what precedes this story is that he tells his disciples, we are going to make it to the other side. We're actually going to make it to the other side. You may not know how, but we're going to make it. And how many of you know he only said what he heard his father say? He only did what he saw his father do. So he wouldn't just say something willy-nilly or like a false hope of, we're going to make it, guys. Don't worry. I got this. It was like, no. God said, we're getting to the other side. And that's how faith comes, is faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to live in a place of rest is to have heard the word of the Lord and you are resting in the word of the Lord. Where Jesus himself modeled this so much so, he decides to take a nap in the middle of when the boat is actually sinking. The boat is literally getting filled with water. That's how bad this storm is. And he was so at rest, he fell asleep. He's like, well, this will make the journey go faster. I'll just sleep through it. It's like when you fly on an airplane, you take a nap the whole time or sleep. It's the best. You just wake up in a new destination. You're there. It's essentially what he did. But the disciples, they forgot the word of the Lord, didn't they? And what happened? They literally woke him up. Why don't you care, Jesus? Don't you see we're perishing? What an accusation to bring to Jesus. But it, he didn't even let what they said frazzle him. He didn't get defensive. Oh, I do care about you. I do. And feeling like he has to prove it and getting all out of sorts because of the disciples. No, he just turns and he addresses the storm. And he just goes, peace, be still. He just kept his eye on the Lord, on, on his father. And it says there was a great calm that followed. Sometimes we get so frazzled and in a panic. When God's given us word, we just got to remember that word. And that word becomes an anchor to make it to the other side. Doesn't it? That word keeps us in such a place of rest where people look at you and they just assume you're apathetic. You don't care. How, like, have you ever had someone come up to you? I remember I used to work selling wedding dresses. And my... my um, Oh, man, the Lord grew me through that job with my boss. It was such a test of faith, I tell you what. 
But oftentimes, if something was going wrong, or maybe um, I didn't know a piece of information and I'm going to get it, and maybe I said it slightly wrong, and my boss just freaks out, and she's almost looking at me like wanting me to freak out with her. Why aren't you freaking out? <laughs> Do you not even care about my business? <laughs> Jesus got that. But what's amazing, a heart who's at, at rest? Oh, man, there's just nothing that can move you. No matter how much outside pressure comes knocking from people, from circumstances, don't you just love that about him? I love that he set that example of how we can walk in this. So um, we'll look at how do we actually live and from God's peace. When we live from this peace, it's actually also a place of authority. Because we saw that the peace of God is what crushes the works of Satan, actually crushes his work. And Jesus modeled that when he went, peace be still. Authority isn't this bombastic, you have to be loud, you have to look big, you have to look a bit mean towards the devil, you have to get a grit in your voice to deal with him. You are just cool, calm, and collected. Cool, calm, and collected. So, how do we live from a place of cool, calm, and collected like Jesus? Because he had an opportunity to fret, to stress every day of his life, just like we do. So, how do we enter into the rest that he has promised? An internal, peaceful, quiet rest that is for us as believers. The first one is simply pray about everything. Simple yet so profound. So profound. We just looked at Jesus, only some accounts of his life. There is so much more you can study from his life. But we saw him do that. And if Jesus often would go to pray, we're called to do the same. Wouldn't you say so? And we see this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, a very famous verse of scripture. But, oh, let's not get dull of hearing. It says, don't be anxious about anything but an Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? To God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to highlight that word guard. I think a lot of times when we hear or think of the word guard in the Bible, we think of in Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart with all vigilance. You know that scripture? Guard it with all vigilance, for out of it flow the issues of life. I always used to think to myself, man, 
that sounds so tiring. Like, Lord, help me to be the guard of my heart. I got to work at it. It's this big effort. You know, anything that tries to come in, uh, guard it. <laughs> to you and to you. And it's almost like then you end up being fretful of like, is my heart okay? Like, we good? What, what this verse of scripture is saying, our part is instead of being anxious, we pray. We get detailed in our prayers with him. If there's a care that's been bothering you, you know how you'd unload it onto a girlfriend? Be like, hey, sis, like, man, this is what I've been going through. Like, these are the details. Do that with God. Get detailed with God. And then after that, you pray. You ask him. I love that he already knows, but he's just waiting. He's just there. And he's so willing to get involved. But our part is when we come and when we come in prayer, we say, God, I actually give you access. I'm going to humble myself and I'm not going to trust in myself, but to get into your rest and your peace, I'm going to invite you into this because I've been trying to solve it in my own efforts and it's just making me stressed. So here it is. And you know what happens? It says the peace of God is what guards your heart. Instead of you being the guard, the peace of God becomes your guard. And that is a Greek word where it's actually a military term. That word guard means to keep any invasion out. Anything that doesn't belong there, that peace goes, uh-uh, nope. Yep, that lie of the devil, you're not good enough, you're worthless, you won't ever come through in this situation, uh-uh. That's what the peace of God does. And it crushes those fiery darts of the enemy. Aren't you thankful for that? We can trust in the peace of God to be our guard for our heart and our mind. The second thing we can do to live in this peace, because we know that Jesus is not only our example, but his nature is actually in us. All these things that I'm listing, I just want us to remember, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He literally is living on the inside of you right now. Can you just say that? Christ lives in me right now. That's right. He lives in you. You've got the nature of God in you. No other religion is the nature of God able to come and literally dwell in your heart. God himself, the fullness of God, dwells in you. So just as Jesus walked, we're walking. Because he's right here. He hasn't gone anywhere. So how else can we, can we walk in this? Well, we do what Jesus did. What we saw in those five loaves and two fish. We look at him through the word. He is the living word. And when we look at him, we get more full of him. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Aren't you glad that you don't even have to muster up your own faith? 
but he's the leader of your faith. He's the source of your faith. His word is, he is the living word. He gives you that mustard seed to start with. Aren't you thankful? We look away from all that will distract. So again, instead of living a distracted life, a way to live a peaceful life is not running away from the problems, not running away from the pressure, but we take a moment and we look to Jesus. And then all those things that that have tried to elevate in your consciousness, you end up de-escalating them to their proper place where they are under the authority of Jesus because you have magnified him in your heart. Aren't you thankful? The third one, remember your righteousness. This is huge, huge. In Isaiah 32, 17, it says, and the effect of righteousness will be what? Peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. I tell you a huge peace stealer that the devil tries to bring to people is condemnation, guilt, shame. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. How would God use you with what you've done? You know, a way to to, to combat that is remembering the work of the cross. And this is why we take communion every single week. The cup that Jesus drank, that he asked his father, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, please, but not my will, your will be done. What was in that cup that Jesus drank that was agonizing to the point of him sweating blood? It was the cup of my sin, your sin. Every perversion, everything twisted in the world, everything that isn't in line with God. He's like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to absorb it into my body. I'm going to become sin itself. And in so doing, he made peace between God and man. Where now, as Christians, it should never be a thought in your mind, am I good enough? Is God able to work through me? what I've done. Oh, I feel so bad. I know I'm not meant to do that. Remember the blood of Jesus. That's where that trust comes in to have peace, is you trust in the blood of Jesus, that he has cleansed you, he has forgiven you, and he's actually forgotten it. So no need to bring it up anymore. Aren't you glad? The fourth one, and the last one, is come to him. You know, we, we say this funny statement of let's have a come to Jesus meeting. But it's true. We need to actually come to him. And uh, last Sunday, a story to illustrate this, I have a 15-month-old, Nathaniel, 
and um, he is a happy boy. Honestly, I can really vouch for him. He's a happy boy. Um, when we're at home, he's happy. He gets a little housebound sometimes because our house is small, but you take him outside and all is well with the world. But last Sunday was a different story. I'm talking about before the first service. I normally come to the first service with him. And at 8 o'clock, he decides to have his first ever tantrum. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like, it was a tantrum. I've never seen him do this before or since. I'm thankful. <laughs> since. My one week. My one week of not seeing it. <laughs> but I'm thankful. Hallelujah. I made it to this Sunday. But, um, and what happened is I have my attention. It's kind of half split. He's, um you know, like, oh, I kind of want your attention. I want to I wanna play, Mom, but it's like, oh, we got to go. I'm trying to get myself ready. I'm trying to feed us breakfast, pack the bag, all the things, okay? If you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. All the things. And um, he ends up spilling my blush because I, I shouldn't have let him play around when I'm doing my makeup. I, I thought it'd be a good idea. It was a bad idea. I have to clean up this mess. And um, it wasn't his fault. He's just curious at this age. And I put him in the cot. And then he's annoyed that he's stuck in the cot while I'm cleaning. He's like, but, but, but. And um, I pull him out. And the last straw was he looks at my water canister. And he's like, I want some. And I'm like, oh, it's empty. Let me fill it. He lost it, guys. He lost it. This is what set him over the edge. And he cried. He just cried and wailed his arms around. Just for 15 minutes, nothing would calm him. He's never cried that long before, straight. And um, over water, not being there. And um, anyways, he finally calms down. I give him this blanket he sleeps with, and he finally calms down. And I sit him on my lap, and I face him towards me. And he kind of comes to himself. He's like, Mom, you're there? <laughs> Because through it, I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. How do I handle this? And he just said, be present. He just needs you to be present. He's not in a place to listen. He's not in a place, you know, he's, he's dysregulated right now. So help him. So when he finally calms down, I could just kind of see him in his little eyes like, thank you for just being there. I don't know what the last 15 min minutes was of my life. I don't even know. I, how did I get here on your lap? And I just start praying over him. And I just start going, I love you. And I tell him all the things I love about him. And I tell you what, his body just uber relaxed. He just eased right into me. He knows the presence of God already. He just was like, oh... And he snuggled me for another 15 minutes. And it became a real bonding moment. And um, I really think Jesus is asking and saying, come. Let's stop the tantrum. Let's stop being overwhelmed. He's inviting us into his calm. Because Nathaniel wasn't going to get it from himself. He had to get it through me as his mom. But as Christians, we have the God of peace who's inviting us into his arms. And he has things he wants to say to you. 
he wants to give you. He's not going to scold you about the 15 minutes you had. He's just going to love you out of it. Because that's just how he works. It's how he works. So, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, I'll have to close. But it says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a promise. We might not have Jesus physically walking the earth, but again, he is on the inside of us. And we have free 24-7 access to him wherever we are, whatever our location is. And I really, really, really just sensed he's just saying to some people, he's inviting you into his calm. The invitation is there. Just take it. Come at his feet. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Lord. Can we reach our hands to heaven? It's an act and a symbol of receiving from him, just as Jesus looked up and lifted the bread. Lord, we want to get full of you. You are our Prince of Peace. And just as you walked this earth full of grace and truth, we receive to give. We receive, Lord, your peace, your word, your direction for these different circumstances in our lives that are out of our control, but we do what's in our control, and that is come to you, regardless of what else is going on. Lord, I thank you that your arms and invitation is open. Just receive, he's present here, just receive the Prince of Peace right now. Acknowledge him as that in your life. Maybe you haven't acknowledged him as your Prince of Peace ever. When you acknowledge him as that, he can be that for you. Lord, all these circumstances, pressures of life, maybe areas we've been compromising in and we've been tolerant of, we choose to bring them to you today and surrender them. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we're not even going to go there because you're in today. Sufficient is each day's troubles. So we lay down and surrender ourselves today. We thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. And maybe you're in this auditorium and you have never ever encountered this wonderful person of Jesus. You heard a lot about him today, but I tell you what, he's inviting you. He's inviting you into relationship with him. And you don't have to do anything to earn it, but to trust in what he did on the cross for you and taking your sin and in so doing, you become a child of God. So as a church family, let's say this prayer for those who are saying it for the first time. And just keep that heart of receiving. 
Repeat this after me. Father God, thank you for giving Jesus to be our way, truth, and life. I ask him to be the Lord of my life. I ask him to be my Prince of Peace. I turn away from my own way. And I turn to your way, Jesus. Thank you for a new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, I will be down the front, and so will our ministry team. I so encourage you, if you came with someone, come with them. Come, just come. It's free, free of charge. We just want to celebrate. We just want to pray with you. And you're more than welcome, church family, to hang, to stay back as the worship team continues on. But have such a blessed week. Have a peaceful week. Aren't you glad we can have a peaceful week? Whatever comes up, we're choosing peace. Amen. God bless you, church. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.